We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. With the third pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select LaMelo Ball from Chino Hills, California. TJ. Oh, oh my goodness! Stunning! With the left hand! All right, everyone. Welcome in to another Buzz Beat, your Charlotte Hornets podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This is Richie, and we just finished watching an exciting game between the Hornets and the Nuggets. I'll be joined by Spencer and Brian today for another post-game recap, and we're also going to answer one lonely listener question. We'll get to that as well. Guys, how's it going? Do you guys fill up on gas already? <laughs> I actually think I not yet. Man, the lines were crazy yes, yeah. driving around Raleigh today. What a weird thing that happened. I've got half a tank. I'll, I'll be fine. I think. Yeah, I, th- I think they said by Friday it should be up and running. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah. and I'm yeah, not really understanding. Yeah. Like, did they ask for like a ransom and say, "Hey, you know, you know, I, I need X amount of money, and we'll reset this little hack or whatever." Like, I, I don't know if like the pipeline is calling the bluff. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I really don't know the ins and outs of like the technology behind this, but. I just think it's interesting how people freak out over this and uh, they say yeah. not to like, they say not to go top it off. Like if you have over half a tank, you shouldn't be, you know, yeah. panic buying, but you know, yeah. people are, there's a gas station that's like real close to me and there's no gas whatsoever. No gas. Whatsoever. Yeah. I, I saw a tweet. It was like, this is from hours ago. I don't know what it was like here in Raleigh, but it was like 30% of gas stations in Charlotte were out of gas. It was like 25 to 30%. Man. Yeah, I mean, wow. people people overreact in ways that are completely irrational. But yeah. I get my gas from Costco, so I'm hoping that membership will safeguard me here. Yeah. But I didn't. I'm still working remotely, and I actually didn't have to leave the house today. So I, yeah. I was kind of like reading about it, but it hasn't. Luckily, I got a full tank this weekend. <laughs> yeah, it hadn't <laughs> affected me yet. So Costco better not run out. <laughs> All right, guys, before we get into this game recap, I do need to give a shout out to another member of our Buy Me a Coffee site. And just a reminder, if you guys want to, you know, donate or anything like that, you guys can and support us. We've put out a handful of posts on the site, some free, some exclusive to those that have donated. Again, if you want to support us, we'd really appreciate any donation. But again, if you don't, we'd be okay with that as well. 
with a membership, you will get a shout out on an episode along with some exclusive posts on the website. So do want to give a shout out to Nico, uh, who loves to call us the Premier Hornets podcast, which we really love and appreciate. So you can find him on Twitter at sarcastic underscore asset. So thank you to Nico. So let's get into this game. It was an exciting and, and fun game against the Denver Nuggets. Hornets did lose, obviously, 112, 117. They were actually down by 21 points at one point in the first quarter. Showed some resiliency, fought back, made the most out of the time when Jokic was off the court. Although in the fourth quarter, in the first six minutes when Jokic wasn't playing, I think that's when Denver extended their lead a little bit. It wasn't until late that Devontae started to go off in the fourth quarter and brought this Hornets team back. I think the biggest thing, I didn't take a lot of notes in this game, just because at this point in the season, I kind of know what I know with this Hornets team. The biggest thing that I, I noted early on is just how difficult it is to defend Denver, right? With their ability to get into the paint and Hornets, they, they are a team that loves to load up on the defensive side in the paint and they just naturally collapse. That's just what Borrego does. And so when you have people that can drive the lane and kick it, it makes it very difficult to defend. And, and Jokic really isn't like a drive and kick player per se, but He's a player that can get the ball out in the high post or really kind of closer to the wing. And he takes one dribble and all the eyes shift to him. And he just whips it across the court to open shot after open shot. But it really wasn't him. Or, I mean, it was him. But Michael Porter Jr. on the other team, I mean, he he should be the MVP runner, right? Front runner <laughs> with the way that he played tonight. It was crazy. He made, he made everything. But I guess what I'm getting at is this, like, obviously, Jokic is a tough matchup for for anyone, but I think it definitely exposed Biz tonight in terms of what he can and what he can't do. And every time Jokic got the ball out there on that high post, he would back down Biz, and it really wasn't a ton of resistance there. In, in a couple times that Biz, like, had him in space, like, there was one early first quarter Biz closed out to Jokic. Jokic just drove right by him. Later in the game, when Biz, in the second half, sort of like spot up face up situation for Jokic, he, he went right by Biz. You know, I understand Biz as the occasional defensive center matchup for power post centers, but it, the matchup doesn't really work out so well when it's a guy like Jokic that's just an instant advantage creator. Richie, you were talking about Denver's, their, their ball movement, their slash and kick, their ability to get to the second side, and like that comes off of advantage, and Jokic is how they create that advantage, especially with Jamal Murray or Porter to that extent too. But but Jokic is really how they how they create those create those looks. Um trying to think anything else sort of that, that rung out for me defensively with Charlotte in this game. And then, yeah, uh, to your point as well, Charlotte, we've said this all year, but they're not a very good rotating team defensively. Right. So once, once you do get Denver in some advantage, they start passing around. They've got good shooters on this roster, even without Jamal Murray. I thought Charlotte had some decent possessions of scrambling around, closing out the shooters, making multiple rotations, but really like, uh, it, they don't do that well defensively. And, and and certainly you could see some of that tonight against Denver. And then also like we should definitely talk about the three guard lineup and what it did for them offensively, but also like, you know, you're just 
going up against Porter Jr., who's 6'10", and Aaron Gordon, who can cut and post. You just, you're giving up a little bit of size, and, and, and Porter could get a shot off whenever he wanted. Obviously, Jalen McDaniels had some of that, assign, that assignment as well. You know, it'd be really nice if when Porter comes off those down screens and curls, if you can have someone, you know, the, the likely the big guy, the, the center, be able to sort of like help when he comes off that tight and you got a you know off ball defender and rear, rear view pursuit. You know, it's one thing if that defender is Matisse Thibel. It's another thing if it's like, you know, Devonte Graham or Terry Rozier, but Cody did a nice job on one play in the second half, sort of like stepping up to the lane. He drew an offensive foul on Porter. Like Porter came off tight. He took a dribble. Cody stepped up and drew the, drew the charge. Yeah. Zeller was awesome. Great two way game for Cody. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we've discussed Biz ad nauseum here and kind of where we think he fits or, or doesn't fit in the rotation. It, you know, so I, I really want to focus on Zeller. I thought this was – we've seen some good Cody Zeller recently. It's been a little bit more spotty, though, than I think it was tonight. This is the best Cody Zeller game I've seen in a really, really, really long, long time, uh, I feel like. I mean, especially considering he's plus 23 in 29 minutes. I don't know exactly how many minutes – uh, of those came against Jokic, but he won those minutes in that matchup. So uh, regardless of that's plus one or if it's plus 12, I think that's pretty impressive. You know, he's a, he's a good matchup for a really skilled de- offensive center like Jokic, the, the most skilled offensive center in the league in terms of what Charlotte has to throw at because to all his points, you know, Jokic likes to operate from that mid post area, high post area. You know, since he's lost weight, he's quick enough to go around you. Obviously we know, about you know about the, the the Somborg shuffle or whatever they call it, and then him finding cutters and shooters. You know Zeller just he's got quick feet. You know he can keep mm-hmm. his chest in front uh, of Jokic. So I really thought he was able to corral what Denver likes to do, playing through Jokic pretty efficiently. And then on the offensive end, I mean I think Zeller just he just connected Charlotte. They really struggled to make shots when they needed to in that fourth quarter, but they were consistently able to get the ball to the middle of the floor and keep the offense humming when Denver was trying to trap Monk or Devante or Rozier, which they were trying to do a lot off those pick and rolls tonight. So I don't know what else we need to see here. <laughs> I mean, it should be Zeller and PJ Washington and tonight's example one A to me. Yeah. We've, we've been saying that for a while now, like in the playoffs, all 48 minutes of center, it has to be PJ and uh, Cody. Yeah, like you said, Charlotte was plus 23 in 29 minutes with Zeller on the court. They were minus 24 in 16 minutes with Biz on the court. The starters were minus 15 tonight. I feel they just got blitzed right off the absolute jump. And then just seeing how like Denver could defend Charlotte early in the game when Biz was playing too, where they can trap and then he's no threat on the short roll. He had a foul. Composo got a got a steal off of him early in the game on that before Zeller grabbed him initially. And just like as they leaned in on that three guard line, those three guard lineups tonight, Zeller's screening as always was great. He was really quick getting into his roles. And I just thought he did a nice job, you know, being like very decisive in that 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 gap of time between setting screen and roll. There was just no wasted motion. So you at least make Jokic guard in, in some of those situations. And I, and just as, as an aside, I was impressed with like how multiple Denver was defensively tonight, just like trying a bunch of different things. 
they're super physical defensively and they've got very good point of attack defenders with Shaq Harrison, with Compazzo, even Austin Rivers, you know, no PJ Dozier, but you can, you can lump him into that as well. So just impressive with their ability to sort of like mix it up. And as they're ramping up for the playoffs here, where they've just got a couple different coverages they can throw at teams. Playing uh, and, defense and with their hands too. Denver, you know, it's something oh, they that really just effort and yeah. they killed Charlotte with live ball turnovers tonight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just playing high. You know, I mean, Charlotte's guards, Rozier, we see LaMelo do it all the time, trying to throw the ball back to the center around his head. That, that's in the scouting report now. Denver made him pay for that numerous times tonight. So just playing with your hands, and, and they did a great job tonight of that. Just effort. Yeah. And back to your point about the short roll, Brian, it feels like Charlotte went a lot to that in the fourth quarter and it didn't necessarily always result in a corner three that was made but teams do have to defend Zeller in that area of the court in which they don't have to with biz and basically you're playing four on five on offense it's, it's just the scrappiness and a skill that Cody has that biz doesn't the team yeah. just looks more sure of themselves they look more solid on both ends they have confidence in Zeller that he's going to be where he needs to be. He can do things that Biz can't. There was this one play in the third quarter, which I, it might be insignificant to most people. It's probably insignificant on most nights, but I was just looking for things that, that Zeller can do that Biz cannot. And it was just like a simple play in which I think Denver was driving. They missed the, they missed the basket. Zeller is bodying up Jokic for a rebound. And he's able to kind of like turn and seal all in one motion, grab the ball off the floor, pass it out to his outlet in Monk, who then feeds it to Rozier for a layup. I just can't imagine Biz being able to fend off Jokic, turn his hips, catch the ball, and make that pass all in one motion. It was really good footwork to your point. I know the play you're talking about, Richie. It was really, really good footwork. The same thing too. Zeller had another fake, like fake DHO keep that he dunked in the fourth quarter. He's pretty darn good at that. Like he's gotten better at that even from just a couple of years ago. And as, as Charlotte sort of has like more spacers and playmakers and shooters around him, you know, it feels like he can get one of those a game if he plays like X number of minutes when he's, he's posing somewhat of a threat in the DHO game. Also, I just think like it, this is a small aspect of a smaller aspect of Charlotte's pick and roll offense, but Monk and Zeller have great chemistry in the pick and roll though. Those guys like really play well with one. I mean, Zeller's a, a good pick and roll second guy with any ball handler, mm-hmm. but, but he and Monk have, have like really good chemistry. And I think Monk really does look for him. Uh, Monk is so good at probing and, and really like getting to that second defender, getting to the body and then sort of like slipping that little right-hand pocket pass. I, we should probably talk about Devante, but before we move on or, or, or finish this up or whatever, I do want to mention just like, this was a tough game shooting for PJ Washington, right? O of nine on threes. I thought early in the game when they ran a fair amount of like one, four pick and roll with LaMelo and PJ. A lot and of Denver, switches. Denver was switching those actions. I thought Charlotte got out of their rhythm a little bit by trying to like play matchup ball that way. And I get wanting to do it. PJ's, you know, like a foot taller than Compazzo, but that's like what Denver wants you to do. In in Compazzo, I mean, he's getting like that dude. <laughs> he gets away with a lot. I, that guy's like built for postseason. There's definitely like a Western Conference point guard that's gonna like take a swing at him in the playoffs. I would like like to get that on record now. But man, <laughs> you want to talk about a physical player like clutch, grab, 
push. Uh, yeah, I mean, pull. He did pull out the chair on PJ early in the game too. But the I I use this all this as a preface to say, despite the poor shooting, PJ man, eleven boards, four assists, four steals, three blocks, seven stocks in this game. He's making plays in the short roll, help side rim protection, one on one in the post. Man, I mean, he had a tough game shooting tonight, but like, uh, dude, uh, like he was due to cool off. He's been so hot the last six weeks, but like kind of an awesome game defensively for, for PJ. Yeah, I think, yeah, the seven stocks and the four offensive rebounds that off the top of my head, two of them led the baskets, one on the three for Devontae. I mean, you know, PJ, he kept Charlotte in this game in a lot of ways. I mean, they're not in this game without his defensive effort. And then you consider his shooting, as Brian was saying. I mean, you know, it, it never felt like Charlotte probably deserved to win this game. But if PJ just has an average shooting game, Charlotte probably does get over the hump, you know. So you kind of take a look back at these last two games for Charlotte. And I think there there is more negative than positive, certainly. But they're only a few possessions away here. And they're picking really bad times in the game to go cold. I mean, it's two games in a row with just fourth quarters complete to start the fourth quarter, complete power outage. And, you know, you can draw some of that up to missing miles bridges and obviously Gordon Hayward being out, but you know, at some point Charlotte's got to get to offense and they got to know where they're going at the end of this game at the end of these games, because, you know, right now spraying it around these last few games when it matters, nobody can hit a shot. So you know, I, I just think it's important context that these are very disappointing losses for the Hornets, considering I think they definitely had a chance to win both of them. But they're damn close. They're still damn close to getting over the hump. And when you consider this play-in format, it, you know, that's that's all it takes. <laughs> you know, uh, it, all it takes is one game to, to make your shot or two in, in, in the right situation. Especially that other team's not going to have uh, Jalen Brown. They only have one horse. So <laughs> I, I like our chances a little bit more. Not to get too far down the rabbit hole. but Yeah. No, did you, did you guys feel this too? This was with the three guard lineup, like once it got home and and got Charlotte back into the game in the first half, obviously, you know, no miles, no Gordon Hayward, but this was the, this was a game where, especially considering the caliber of opponent where I got like a little, a little whiff of like the Hornets pre injuries, like the multiple playmakers Hmm. space it out, spread, pick and roll, you know, off ball actions for Rosier, off ball stuff for Devonte or Monk, but you know, lots of op- you know, open up the floor and, and go to work. And then they can't get to all of that right now, obviously without miles and, and Hayward who are guys that unlock stuff for them was in small ball and are matchup beaters. But I don't know. I just, I just got like a little whiff of like this Hornets team that I, I sort of like fell in love with earlier in the season. And I've just not been able to see that as, as much recently, but just, having this like at least four guys on the court at all times, you know, including PJ and, and Jalen McDaniels as like the, the hybrid forwards that can just slash that can pass cut short roll hit jump shots. I, I, it, this is like how you can like beat a team that probably like, you know, has more talent or, or has more, you know, has a more veteran team. You play this like loose open freestyle of offense. I mean, everything for Charlotte was a three or at the rim tonight. I think like almost 85% of their attempts were threes or or right at the rim. And I think a lot of that had to do with just how they were able to open up the court around Zeller. 
No, I would agree, Brian. I mean, you definitely saw some shades of earlier Hornets. Obviously, Devontae coming back after being injured helps that a lot when you can interchange him, Monk, Lamelo, and Rozier on the court at all times. One player you just mentioned that I wish got more playing time was Jalen McDaniels. I know he was more of a factor in the first half. I think he had 10 of his 15 points in the first half. A couple of baseline drives. I'm continued to be impressed by him with his hustle, his cuts, his movement, his offensive glass impact. He's a player that that has that versatility, and he would fit perfectly into the scheme with Miles Bridges out of the lineup right now, but it didn't feel like he was all that impactful in the second half, and, and a lot of it's probably due to the minutes that he played. He also had a nice put back in the second quarter where like he put some English off the off the glass. It was pretty interesting to see that as well. So I'm, I'm hoping that he gets more playing time moving forward. I know that Miles Bridges should be coming back, I would say, what, could be, I guess it could be the play-in game is when he comes back. It depends on if it's that 10 or 14. I, I still don't know what, what makes the difference there, but that's that's the one player that I wish would, got, would have gotten more run in this game. Yeah, I, yeah, and McDaniels, yeah. I mean, he has his moments. You know, he, he is certainly a very serviceable rotational wing, especially for a team like Charlotte who just you know lacks defensive style wings, you mm-hmm. know, so he, he really gives his team a lot on that end, but lost my my train of thought now oh yeah no brian going back to your point about charlotte's shot profile tonight I, it, was, it was great again didn't make enough shots certainly from downtown charlotte shoots at like 72 percent at the rim though 43 percent of their field goal attempts on the night come at the rim <laughs> really good for charlotte that says a little bit more to me about denver and i love nicola Jokic. she's a great player but I just I'm not sure you're ever going to win a championship with with that guy as your defensive center in the middle. And and you know when PJ really actually did have it going offensively off the short roll in the first half, he knew he could go straight through Jokic and he did it multiple times where sometimes PJ will get it going downhill and he kind of goes out of his way to avoid the contact or put extra extra English on it. He was going right through Jokic yeah. in that first half. I think that was just watch my film. I know this guy, if I give him one euro, one extra step, you know, he's, he's probably going to give in. So I thought that was impressive for impressive from PJ, but I, I don't know if we're going to talk about this later, but I, I do. Lamella doesn't look right to me. I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to like go out and speculate that he's injured, but this is a second game where he just doesn't, so, I don't know if he's getting back in shape, but he doesn't look like the Lamella we, we've watched this season. I'm not sure really where I'm going with this, but I'm, I'm interested in, in y'all, I guess. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I haven't given it much he thought. Keeps but, grab- he, he keeps grabbing that wrist. I don't know if that's just like, I'm, I'm trying to see my shot go down. You know, he fell on it the other night against New Orleans. You know, held my breath for a quick second. I, I just I don't know. I'm a little I'm a little concerned about how Lamella looks right now. He doesn't he just looks tentative or something. See, I think he's tonight was a little bit of a different story in my in, in my opinion. Like I don't think he shot in general, I don't think he shot great in a relatively smaller sample since he's come back. But I think there have been a couple of games where like he's been pretty committed to getting to the rim. The Orlando game sort of rings out where whether he was going to get Mo Wagner on a switch or they were, they were dropping into the paint with Bamba. Charlotte did a really good job in that Orlando game of like flipping screens and rescreening or having Zeller sealed deep in the paint. And I thought LaMelo was pretty committed in that game to, to getting downhill. But yeah, I mean, every game he, he, you know, he, he clutches the wrist. He sort of like, you know, warms it up. Does basically the thing Richie pointed out that he was doing on the bench a lot. 
when yeah. he was out and getting ready to come back. Look, I, I have no reason to think that he, that he isn't okay. Other than just like the shooting numbers don't look good. And, and he does like at least once a game sort of like flex that out. I don't know if that's an exercise to keep it loose. That seems less likely, but this was a tough game tonight too. And I think speaks to as great as LaMelo is and as like clever of, of a ball handler that as LaMelo is like, I would describe LaMelo's handle as pretty functional, like has the ability to create advantage with his handle and get into the paint, which is great. That's a very important thing that he can like get into the paint easily. I don't know if it's like the tightest of handles. And because of that, when he's, when you, when you have a guy like Composo that's going to be playing inside your Jersey, going to be trying to turn, turn you, you know, you know, like he, it's going to create turnovers. And, and I think also like LaMelo can struggle to get into gaps sometimes because of yeah. this too, just because like the dribble is a little high and, and a little loose and given his skill level, I, I think that's something he'll, he can certainly improve. And really the functionality of that handle is like, like the, the, the you know, really like a big piece to his game. And, and that's great that he has it, but this is a game where Denver mixed up their pick and roll coverages on him. And he doesn't really quite have an answer for drop defense yet when the pull-up, when like the pull-up three isn't going in, right? Like there, there's no real, like, again, they can try to like flip screens and, and get him going to an angle. And, and obviously he's a great passer, but, you know, against a good team when that pull-up three isn't going in. Yeah. It's, it, it can get a little dicey and yeah, he just, he has not, I don't think the pull-up game has like been here for him since he got back. Even the one game where he hit a couple threes, like they were like, I think two of them were off, off the catch. So I would tend to agree with you, Spencer, but I do think there have been a couple games where like he has actually, since he got back where he has been sort of like unafraid and has really like tried to get to the rim, but yeah, it was not tonight was not it. Yeah. I mean, your point about Denver being a really physical defensive team. I mean, that's really the, that's the biggest factor in this one, I think. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, tonight it was the, the turnovers, the live ball turnovers off the either getting ripped in the middle or off the pass. That that was unlike I'd I'd seen from Lamelo maybe all year. So it probably credit to Denver here. But then you you know again you, you layer that on with coming back from the injury and every time he hits the floor, I have to watch him grab his wrist and. My brain just goes to <laughs> weird yeah. places. Dark so places. I, I mean, yeah. certainly hope that Lamelo can get it going. The Orlando game, obviously, great example. I mean, he was getting to the rim constantly. He had the <laughs> the eighteen foot floater going in that game. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so hope, hopefully, Lamelo can see the ball go in uh, again here soon because Charlotte is they they got to have it. Yeah. Lamelo's floater range is from 15 feet to 18 feet. Most people's floater range is from like five feet to like eight feet. It's just crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. But no, yeah. to your point, Brian, I think he does lose the ball with his handle when he tries to split those, you know, those hedges or anything like that. I think that's where he probably loses the handle the most is when he's trying to fit in between two defenders. But I haven't really given much thought, Spencer, on whether or not he was rushed back or whether, whether he's bothered by the wrist. I mean, he's clearly bothered by it. I think it's more, you know, I, I don't know, but it could be just a comfort thing and, you know, getting used to playing with the ball in his hand. He hasn't done that for the longest time, obviously with that cast on and, and stuff like that. So I don't know if it's a pain thing and he can't do things because of that pain or if it's just, 
getting readjusted to playing basketball and, and stuff like that. So we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Any other thoughts about this game before we move on to the schedule and like the play in tournament? Just one more quick thing. I, I, I thought I could tell that Charlotte was trying to occupy the dunker spot more tonight. And, and maybe they were doing this against New Orleans too. And I just totally missed it. But I thought that was just an, a, an added layer to Charlotte's offense that I had not noticed recently. So I'm going to be watching for that more closely in these next few games to wrap up the regular season. I want to see if they're experimenting with, with something. And, and that could have had a lot to do with LaMelo driving into traffic too. I mean, Devante actually got a little drop off, I think for PJ in the dunker spot tonight, which is very, like very, very, very unlike a Borrego style Hornets offense. We've seen, I mean, Devante, Rozier, Monk, whoever it might be, they're getting to the, you know, get into the corner as quickly as they can. So I thought that was interesting. I noticed it on a few t- a few times. Jalen McDaniels was hanging out in that area more often. So I don't know. Just, just an observation I had not noticed from this offense all year. So uh, let's see if the Hornets are messing around with something here. Yeah. Which I think is is totally fine. By the way, I mean they're not making a lot of shots right now. So they, you got to manufacture offense some way. And I think a very simple way to do that is in this pass cut re react offense. Just stop right there in that little mid zone between the corner and the lane line. Just stop right there. Wait on another dribble penetration, and then you got a layup instead of relocating to the corner and, and taking shots the Hornets aren't knocking down right now. You know who would be good in that little area? One Michael Kid Gilchrist. <laughs> Alas. Yeah, I there was there were even times where and it makes sense too, because Charlotte has, you know, the two primary pick and roll guys, screeners in this offense. And obviously PJ can pop and he's such a great threat as a pick and pop guy too. But, but both Zeller and PJ can pass on the short roll and Jalen McDaniels can too. I mean, he doesn't get a ton of opportunities, but he can certainly miles can as well. And so, yeah, usually, you know, if it's PJ miles of the four five, you know, one guy's rolling, you're going to see, you know, the other guy pop, you know, space out, but they mix it up a little bit there. It was interesting when it's Zeller doing the short roll game and PJ's in the dunker spot. Like you would normally think just oh, keep him, stash him in the corner, give this a free lane. But like you said, they could, they could be experimenting with something there too. And just like, I feel like it would be uh, remiss if we didn't mention this, but just Devante was awesome tonight, man. I mean, just, you want to like, it's so, it's so good to have him back. I continue to marvel at how good Devante is, despite the fact that like, he's just no threat inside of like 15 feet. Like it, it is, it, it, you would, 
it, it, it is because he has mastered like two of these very critical elements of offensive, like initiation of the, the pull up three and playing off that gravity in the pick and roll as a passer, mm-hmm. which he's very good at doing too. But I mean, what a threat that guy is, despite the fact that like he can't get to the rim. And when he does occasionally get there, it, he's not going to make the shot, like unless it's open in transition. I feel bad for him on the shot that Michael Green blocked earlier, like just had no prayer of going in. But man, seven of 14 on threes. And like you want to talk about a guy whose shot diet has changed this season. And mm-hmm. it, he's just he, he's just continued to hum. I mean, he was coming into the night, he was 42% on catch and shoot threes. And that was accounting for about 42, I think 42, 44% of his shots, which is like catch and shoot threes, which is up from 20 some percent a season ago. So like um, a huge jump in spot up threes and just his ability to relocate runoff screens. Like they can do a lot of different stuff with both he and Rozier's movement shooters. Just super impressed. Awesome to have Devonte back and like, obviously like not only like, him making shots, but just having him in that guard rotation and what it could, what it could do for them. They almost stole a game tonight against a really good team in part because they had these four guy, four guards taking turns with three of them sharing the court at the same time. And Devante was really the only one with an outside shot tonight. And we've seen that all season in terms of his shot profile differing a little bit uh, from last season because of the addition of LaMelo, you're going to shift Devante off ball a whole lot more frequently. And, and like you said, Brian, his catch and shoot three has, has gone up in in frequency as well as efficiency. He had 19 points of the 26 in the fourth quarter for the Hornets. That's just crazy, cra- crazy to think. Re- and, re- and, and to your point, I Brian, like he does yeah. not have a game inside the arc. But at least, so he has that bomber, you know, mentality. He can shoot mm-hmm. from three. But then I guess the counter, the counter can be when teams do blitz him hard. He is very good at splitting. The, the trap there. And now you mm-hmm. put the Hornets on a four on three situation. Now what happens after that <laughs> is up to the rest of the Hornets, <laughs> yeah. but, but Pass at it, least Devante. Yeah. Pass it. <laughs> it'd be one thing if all he did, if all he did was shoot the ball, but he didn't have that split pass, which he does. So that's, that's impressive counter, I guess, if you want to call it. Yeah. He gets off it really, really quickly when he gets trapped. But yeah, I mean, two things I was going to say on Devante, I continue to just be like, he has so many limitations. And if you just watched him, if you'd never watched an NBA game or a Charlotte Hornets game before and you watched him, you're like, man, what is this guy just must be having a good shooting game. Like what else does he really bring to the table? But he's such a clever off ball player. And we all know what he can do bombing off the dribble, but it's subtle too. You know, it's not like watching Steph Curry, you know, obviously nobody's like, you know, watching <laughs> Steph Curry run around screens and play off ball. But Devontae gets, he can constantly get to spots on the floor. He floats, he relocates, you know, he gets to the corner on dribble penetration. He just knows how to play the game, man. And he's just one of those guys, when he sees it go down a few times, he is, you know, he's a microwave type of shooter. You know, the second thought is obviously knowing coming in tonight, having Devontae back. Okay. Now, you know, as Brian brought up earlier, you know, Charlotte can get to, you know, three of the four Devontae Rosier ball monk lineups, right? Which are really important. But I mean, if ball were to continue to struggle and we get into a play in scenario, Devontae gives Borrego optionality at the end of games. And look, we saw it tonight. I mean, ball sat for a long time. I wasn't sure if he was coming back in and he Same. checked back in with about three minutes to go. I mean, that's the kind of optionality that I think it's important to keep an eye on because. I think Devontae has gotten a lot better defensively as the season's gone on, just in terms of his 
as his effort. That's it. I mean, I don't really know what the numbers bear out, but if he can continue to see the shot go in, I think we got to assume Rozier is going to be out there. Yeah. If Hayward comes back, he's going to be out there. Miles is out there. PJ's out there. You know, there's there's one spot left, and 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 I don't think you can count Devontae Graham out of that one spot if, if he's going to play like this. So I think that's important for Hornets fans to kind of keep in mind here. Yeah, De- Devontae is going to harness the power of the three-pointer and have a nice little NBA career, and then he may be able to take some of that basketball IQ and, and become a pretty good coach. You know what I mean? Like when, when, when his playing days are over with, because he is, he is a heady player. He knows how to play to his strengths. And yeah, we, we just talk about all these guys, all the big name guys that have transformed the game because of their, their three point shot and like what that's done all over the league what that's done from player development, from drafting, from from how guys rosters are constructed, and just guy like Devontae is just taking advantage of of that that paradigm, you know, of how basketball is played now. And every so much of his game is predicated off that the jump shot, the pull up shot, and the gravity he gets from that, and just like knowing how to play because like he's not a great athlete and he can't finish in the lane, can't really get to the rim. But man, he's a good passer and just a hell of a shooter. And when he gets hot, I mean, there's just his confidence level goes through the roof, and you can just you can just see it. And it, I don't know, the team seems to really feed off of it too. So love having him. Happy to have him in Charlotte for like as long as possible. He's a very fun and very good offensive player. Well, you, you mentioned coaching, Brian. I don't know if you know this, but if if Triano was going to be tossed. He, Devontae's actually third in line. He would have <laughs> yeah. he would have shipped it over. So um, Yeah. Uh, so Borrego man. got his first first ejection of his career. That that's something yeah. noteworthy. Only other player coach in the league other than LeBron. <laughs> yeah. 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 LeBron player coach slash commissioner slash shadow agency a CEO. Yeah. I mean, Devontae's not quite there yet, you know, but, but maybe he can keep adding some more of these, these titles. Yeah. By the way, shout out to the Bally sports camera crew, making sure to get very clean looks on James Borrego's as he was being tossed. I could hear or at least <laughs> the spit out of his mouth, the actual words. Yeah. yeah which was very <laughs> funny to me. So shout out to them for getting those shots. Good work. Camera crew. I understand why he was. Fr- I do think Dell and Eric were missing that on the broadcast. Like, I, I don't think JB thought the ball was last touched by Denver. I think he thought that so McDaniel's Porter- got raped. Yeah, he yeah. was frustrated that Porter fouled him and there was no call. Yeah. You know, like that was what he was. Yeah. You, you yeah. literally saw him gesture to the refs, like he made like a, a motion, like he's he yeah. fouled him. Yeah, I thought the refs sort of like lost control of this game also for like Agreed. a stretch in the, in the middle, Agreed. which was annoying, but yeah. What, what are you going to do? Also? I, I think that I, I, I do believe Brega was, was super pissed off as we saw on the replay there, but you know, like I was, I was pretty fired up that he actually went to the links. It could have just been like an, in the moment, emotional reaction. He got upset about the reaction from the referee, or it could have been like, I don't really like how we've been playing these last six and a half quarters. And you know what? I'm going to blow a casket right here and see if yeah. I can just switch the momentum. And it kind of worked, honestly. Yeah. Like I, I, The Hornets played harder the rest of the game. They didn't make a lot of shots when it mattered, as I brought up earlier. But I thought they just played with a little bit more zest. And uh, you know what? Like if Borrego, that is out of character him for sure. But like if there was going to be a good time in the season to do something like that, 
it's now. I mean, I'm glad he did that. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to do that in the NBA Finals when they make it this year. So now, now is a good time to get it out of the way. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah. But this it, is a Finals preview: Denver versus Charlotte, <laughs> a ratings bonanza that I'm sure the NBA would love. The to NBA's see. worst nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny too because I, I do it too when I'm teaching. Like I naturally pull down my mask if I have to yell at a kid. Like I'm like, hey, like make sure you hear me. Make sure you hear me. And uh, it, it's funny that coaches do that too. So. All right, remaining schedule for the Hornets, Clippers at Knicks at Wizards. This could very Ouch. well go very <laughs> yeah. well could go 0 and 3 guys. <laughs> yeah. Current yeah. record of 33 and 36. Just looked it up on 538. Mm-hmm. The chance of making the playoffs and I'm assuming they mean 1 through 8 is a little bit under 50%. The biggest question is going to be what seed will they be when they enter the play-in? Uh, obviously, you receive an advantage if you're in that seven or eight seed. You only have to win once. And based on the schedule, that's kind of up in the air if they're going to be in that eight seed. I know that the Pacers aren't playing great either, so that they could potentially hold on. I don't know the other schedules of the Pacers and, and the teams below the Hornets right now off the top of my head. But funny thing is, like if you were to be given the opportunity to play, take your pick, Celtics, Pacers, Wizards. Jeez in the play-in I'll say this I think I would want to avoid the Wizards out of those three teams right now they've been so potent offensively especially like in the last two weeks last 10 games or so like Beal and Westbrook just putting up points like crazy now obviously they are players that have some like iso ball in their games and that could get them in trouble but when it comes to like a one game one-off game a team that can score a ton with the margin of error being so small in these types of situations, I would almost want to avoid a team like Washington, and especially if we're in that 9-10 game because you don't have any room for error at all. So that's the yeah. one team that I'm kind of worried about. Maybe, you know, like I said, if they were playing them in the 7-8 seed, which I don't think is going to be the case, I would feel more comfortable because you have a game to play with. But, man, Wizards right now are not a team that I would want to face, especially in like in a one-off situation. That that's sort of like uh, we'll see about the health of Beal. I mean, I assume he'll be ready to go, but you know he's not playing for them right now. And these games are big. They almost beat Atlanta last night as the Hawks nearly ralphed up a huge lead when Trey sat. And it hasn't gone final yet, but it does look like Indiana is going to beat Philadelphia tonight. So that's not <laughs> that's not it's not great. Really not good, you guys. I, the, the one thing Washington and Charlotte would just turn into a shootout, which would be make for a, a, you know, a fun one-off game. But yeah, I don't know with the way Russ is playing right now. And, you know, obviously Beal as like the, you know, the league's, you know, one, a one B top score. I was about to come on here and say the Pacers, <laughs> I like, I, I wouldn't mind the Pacers. And I was also going to make a comment that like, the Pacers may actually have bigger issues than like where they end up in the play in tournament seating wise, just based off what the new cycle was like for them last week. But now they're about to beat the Sixers. So, and they did that. Yeah. They have beaten the Sixers. So that game has gone final. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I, <laughs> Boston, even with Jalen Brown in the lineup, which he will now not be, they're the thinnest. Yes. Out of all these teams we're talking about, including Charlotte, by the way, and they just got thinner and Wait. far, far less talented. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, 
I think there's a real case to be made that that Boston's the weakest of these of these four teams. I think the conventional wisdom would 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 say Charlotte is, which I think as currently constructed, yes. When Miles is back and if Hayward comes back and can be seventy five percent of Hayward, eighty percent of Hayward, then that's just not true. So I, I think that I mean we already know Charlotte needs to stay in the eight spot so they don't have to win two games. But mm-hmm. I also think that it just behooves them because that's who they want to play. That's the matchup you want. You want Boston, especially to, in a one game situation to get the seven seed. I mean that is absolute. That's perfect. But yeah. to Brian's point. Indiana just won. They're tied in the standings with Charlotte. Now, I don't know where that tiebreaker stands. So if, if, if one of you guys knows, that's a, I mean, it's a huge deal. And my other thought was New York, they're not going to sit people. They're, they're half game up on Atlanta for four. They're going to be playing full strength when we see them on Saturday. Washington, obviously, going to be playing full strength. And then the Clippers, not really – let's – yeah, I mean Denver can still catch the Clippers. Not sure they want to with yeah. where LA stands, where, where the Lakers are. But <laughs> you know, like, like every, I guess my point is like Charlotte's not going to get a, a team at fifty percent because they're resting from here on out. So, and in all three of these games, they're going to not be favored in. So it's it's not stacking up great for the Hornets to end here. Charlotte does it did go two and one against Indiana this season. So okay. that's okay. that that is. Helpful. Um, I mean, that's a half game lead then, basically. Yeah, yeah, and yeah the, including they played. Yeah. They played back in late January. They played like a back to back against one another on a Wednesday, Friday, and they lost the first one, won the second one by three points, and then yeah, they blew them out back in early April too. Okay, and, and here's that's the Pacers' big. schedule: Bucks, Lakers, Raptors. So yeah, so you, so I, it sounds like to me then if Charlotte owns a tiebreaker. With the schedule you just mentioned, Indiana has to finish. I think Charlotte just has to win one of these three games, correct? To get to yeah. keep that eight spot. Boy, yeah. it would have been helpful if Indiana could have lost to Philadelphia. Tonight. That's true. That's <laughs> that true. would have been yeah. super yeah. useful, man. Dang. <laughs> it's funny they play on the same nights too. So Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. So the Hornets and the Pacers will be playing on the same nights or day. I guess. I guess Saturday and Sunday might be day games, but we will get to that when we get to that. Let's get to the Twitter question. From Greedo, the Hornets fan on Twitter, if you could only keep two for the next season, who would it be? We got Rozier, Monk, and Graham. Now, of these three, Rozier is actually the only one that is signed for next season. So I guess you have to take that into consideration if you would like to trade Rozier. I don't think he's untradeable by any means, but I also don't think the the team is actively shopping him. And he's the one, I guess known commodity on this roster of those three players so you would be taking a chance if you're choosing monk and graham and and trading off rosier but i don't know what you guys would say we've had this conversation before between like graham and monk i think i even said monk earlier now i'm leaning towards graham it could be you know because of the game that we just watched yeah. I don't know, man. I think Rozier, like I said, Rozier is the known commodity. I, I love the little subtle improvements that he's made this year in the mid-range. He's a guy that obviously can stretch the court with his catch-and-shoot ability. So I, I'm going to keep him for next year, and it's a toss-up for me between Graham and Monk. Obviously, you've got the facilitation with Graham, and you've also got the facilitation with Monk as well. So, golly, I don't know. What do you think, Spencer? Graham, Monk, or, or no, two of those three, Graham, Monk, Rozier. Well, Rozier for sure. I mean, yeah, the Hornets certainly could shop in this offseason. That's not inconceivable. 
but I mean, his expiring contract next year at the deadline, if the Hornets were to fall flat is, is hugely valuable. So right. it's certainly him. And just considering he, he's been pretty damn good here the last few years, want him on the team for that reason too. I think, oh man, yeah, this, it, it is a tough one. So I think where I am on Monk at this point is I, I part of me, my heart wants to say, let's keep Monk because he's younger and there's still this pie in the sky idea. You know, he can finally figure it out. He can finally find some consistency, finally stay healthy. It's worth investing in him, but I just don't think Monk has any value across the league right now. And I think that if you, I think that the Hornets are in a situation where they will could get Graham back on a pretty good deal this summer. And I think we know who Devonte Graham is and he is an asset. I think there's a case to be made where Monk is just not going to work out in the league. I, I mean, as much as that hurts me, it's just like at some point, we have to see it over a period of time that leads to some kind of consistency, and we just still haven't. So I think I'm going to go with Rozier and Graham here. It's, it's certainly close between Monk and Graham, though. Yeah, it's uh, it's the that's why like the the early April ankle injury to Malik was so devastating because it was like he actually did have it. I mean, it was only you know for five six weeks or whatever, but but he really had like that. That was the best stretch of his pro career. And he's been a little up and down since he, since he came back. And obviously he's dealt with some pain in the ankle, which is sucks. Yeah. I think Rozier as a trade option candidate is, is, is pretty interesting. I don't think like my thoughts on Terry are like the most popular or like, I'm probably like the furthest away from the consensus. I would say at least on, on the group of this, with this podcast, I just think when there's, like I think Terry's perceived value is higher than his actual value on the court. Mm-hmm. When you have a player like that, you should look to trade them. <laughs> it's sort of like how it's sort of like you should try to sell high on that. Um, look, I love Terry Rozier. I love his swag. I love his sh- the shot making. He he's limited as a as a creator. Not thrilled with his defense at times, but but obviously like he. He's such a, a big time player for the Charlotte team. I mean, obviously he's going to be back next season. I, that's just not going to change. And who knows, like if they bought him out, Spencer brought up a good point. That would be a great deal to move. That, that, that would be a great trade asset. He clearly has, you know, positive trade value in the league right now. Man. I know. I know. <sighs> I just can't quit Monk, man. So he's definitely going to be one of the two guys that bring back. He's the youngest of this group. He's the best defender of this group. He's the best at getting to the rim, which matters a lot for me with guards. You know, I want guys that can constantly get paint touches. He's definitely yeah. the best of, of this crew with that. Certainly much better than Devontae. But Devontae has also just mastered this, like the most important skill in basketball, like shooting off the dribble, you know, like we just talked about it. That's like what makes, that's like what his game is predicated off of. And it's like, he's really, really good at it. I would say keep Devante, keep Monk, wow. trade Rozier. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's going to be harder to do uh, just with the constraints. But that's not going to happen. Right, like, right. It's like, not going to happen. Uh, like, yeah. That's not going to yeah. happen. In, a, in like, a, I know that's not going to happen, to be clear. And it wouldn't make much sense for that to happen either. But as far as like the, the, the I don't know, which two players do I like the most in a vacuum? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, the, I mean, I like all three of these guys, obviously. they're yeah. They're all very good players. I just can't quit Monk's skill. I do think Spencer like has a point of just like, you know, what is the next, what, what is next for him? Where do others in the league see his value? Where does he end up next season? His role is so inconsistent with Charlotte, not to totally circle back and go back, dive into tonight's game. Cause we're about to wrap this up, but 
Why does Caleb Martin play six minutes early in this game? Yeah, I didn't yeah. even realize he played tonight. Why, 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 <laughs> why, like, they they wasted six minutes of not going to the, the like, the three-guard lineup so they could get, like, Malik didn't play into the second quarter. Right. They, right. they gave Caleb Martin six first, six first quarter minutes, and then he didn't play again the rest of the game. And it's like, that is something that, like, I know it's hard to constantly find playing time for Monk. I know he's coming back from injury, but, like, why are, what are we doing? Like, why, why did we do that? Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I get your point there, Brian. I, I, I mean, since Monk's been back, I just, I've kind of seen more of the, the Monk that we've seen over the larger sample, just in terms of like poor defensive effort over a larger sample, just extreme, what appears to me to be just confidence issues with his shot. You know, I, it's, I, I just think there's more behind the scenes to Malik Monk than can be seen through a TV screen yeah. or through, you know, you know, searching through stats pages at some, I just, my sense is this team is not going to move forward with him. And that's yeah. not to say it's like a workout for Malik Monk. It's just like, it hasn't happened in Charlotte. Like at some point the guy's got to be on the floor and he's got to be producing consistently. And this is the last year of his rookie deal. It's like, it just yeah. hasn't happened. So it would surprise me if Charlotte moved forward with him. I think at this point, even though Cupcheck and Brago, everybody said all the right things. It's just yeah. like, again, at some point we got to see it. And I do, we just have it consistently. We've yeah. seen it again, just not consistently. Yeah. Again, it's why the injury was such a bummer. The season, the regular season does feel like it'll be bookended with my thoughts of just like, yeah, I don't see them going forward with Malik Monk, which is how I felt before late January. And it's how I feel again in the middle of May. And that's unfortunate because the gap in between those two poles, like when he was healthy, he was playing damn good basketball. He was awesome passing the ball in the New Orleans game. He had some bad turnovers tonight, man. A pretty careless one when they trapped him on a little Iverson cut screen, but I don't know. I just, I, I love his ability to, to get to the rim and, and the shot mixed off of that. Yeah. Like him as a free agent this summer is going to be really interesting. I'll be fascinated to see, see really like how that shakes out for him. But I know Rozier's not going anywhere. Like he is, he is the attitude of this team. Right. So like, I, I yeah. Yeah, I know. I know Terry's not going anywhere anytime soon. I've just, as I have been for a while now, sort of like pointing out why you should consider selling high on this guy because knowing that it's not going to happen simply because the, the Delta and between what his actual value is. And I think the way like his value is maybe perceived by some, to, and, and but, great, but maybe his value on the Hornets is actually higher like for the Hornets. Totally. Yeah, versus, it might be. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a guy to like hunt shots, right? Yeah. Like they need a guy like that. And, uh, and Terry can score from a bunch of levels. And, and obviously like he's a great clutch shooter too. So yeah, yeah he's, he's, I want to see him play in the postseason for Charlotte. Cause you could, you know, you could be a guy that could have some <laughs> moments for them. Well, to answer the question, I don't think I actually answered it. I, I'm going to say Rozier and Graham to your point, Brian Monk does put a ton of pressure at the rim. The biggest question mark that I have with him is, can he consistently shoot from behind the arc? He's done it this season, but he really hasn't done it all his career. And the second question mark you got, or question mark that you guys were kind of alluding to, Spencer, especially like 
his role with this team. He doesn't get consistent minutes. I'm just not sure that he ever will. And there could be things behind the scenes, like you're saying, Spencer, that could be happening that, that we're just not seeing. You know, it may not be to his fault, but, you know, in his time in Charlotte, his his playing time has been up and down, up and down. So, all right, guys, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of BuzzBeat. As always, we'd appreciate any support you can give us on Apple Podcast. Take 30 seconds out of your day to give us a review. Also, our Buy Me a Coffee website will be linked in the episode notes if you'd like to know more about that. For Spencer and for Brian, I'm Richie. We'll see you guys next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.